Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, Managing Madrid Podcast listeners? This is Keon Sabani. A very quick intro here. This is taken from last night's Zoom call that went two hours after the game. If you want access to the whole thing, patreon.com slash managing Madrid. Thank you for everyone who tuned in and also asked questions at the end of the call. We appreciate you. And let's get to it. I think I think a lot of those questions were actually answered in the second half. Like you said, Cruz and Modric were both good in the second half. The the one one of the concerns I had, um, apart from Carvajal, who is really mm. worrying and concerning for various reasons, we'll get to it. Um, but Salah was actually unlike Anfield, getting in behind Nacho, and Trent was playing those balls in behind him. The way they kind of exploited Alaba on the first leg. In the first half, Nacho was getting beat, and those runs were dangerous. But in the second half, Nacho completely locked down Salah, like completely locked him down, even sent him a message. Like it was pretty amazing to see his fight. Um, yeah. I think from a, just a psychological level, too, Nacho was completely in his head by the end of the game. Like he was giving him really hard challenges, sending a message, winning the ball. Like it was, it was great to see. It's fantastic. He locked down. He locked down Salah and made a couple memes on the way. Made a couple of iconic images, like until we get the chair back out again. Some of the Salah versus Nacho images are the um, at this point in the in the clubhouse leader um, for iconic Champions League run images of this year. So um, yeah, that was again just Nacho. You mentioned earlier actually Ancelotti in the press conference going out his way to bring up players. On questions not asked about them, he kind of did the same with Nacho. Um, you know, it was a question about Mondi and Alaba coming back. He went on to talk about just how phenomenal Nacho is. And um, in my three questions, three answers beats, was it, which isn't up yet, but that's one of the questions is they got to renew Nacho. Like after Benzema, of the seven players out of contract, is Nacho the most important to renew? Maybe at this point, because since the World Cup, he's been like a top five player of the whole Real Madrid squad. So, um, yeah, phenomenal from him. Um, and even when he was getting beat a little bit by Salah in the first half, it still wasn't anything outrageous. So, yeah, he was uh, perfect. Well, the other thing is when the ball, did, when Salah did get in behind him in the first half, Rudiger, who someone just mentioned in the chat, was there to mop it up. Yep. Rudiger was fantastic tonight. And I don't, um, I really felt tonight for the first time, like I, he's been really good this this calendar year, he's been much better than mm-hmm. he was in the first few months of the season. But tonight was the one night where I felt like this is this feels like Chelsea Rudiger. This felt like yeah. a, a spiritual leader, someone who was um, pumping his team up, getting in the face of the opponents. Season on, not season on the line because we pretty much had this in the bag. But it's a knockout game. You know, it kind of took me back a little bit to he was immense against us. Uh, in the second leg at the Bernabeu last season, apart from slipping on Benzema's goal, he was foot perfect. And it kind of reminded me of that. It was really great to see Rudiger was, in, this, um, in this state. He was like off the ball throughout the game, just like body checking Salah so many times, time and time again, just off the ball. 
And I don't know if he was doing it to try to get, um, remember he kind of did the same thing with Korea in the derby where off the ball he's, you know, bumping into Korea, Korea pushes him away and, and gets red card. I don't know if he was trying to get Salah booked or sent off or if he was just trying to get in his head and make him lose focus. But he was, every time the, the ball was away from his part of the pitch, um, if you looked at like a wider camera, looked at where Rudiger was, he was, you know, just bumping into Salah accidentally on purpose and that reminds me of Chelsea Rudiger, the kind of, you know, those kind of antics. And, you know, I don't think you do that in your first few months at Real Madrid. You do that when you have a run in the side, when you're confident, when you know where you stand. And, um, you know, he's only going to grow from here if he's if he's starting to feel confident like that. Yep. Uh, it was great to see that version of Rudiger back again. And uh, it's also like you mentioned a couple of times Liverpool's body language and they were kind of out of it. It was crazy to me, and I think we'll see a little bit of it in the when I start sharing my screen later in the podcast, some of the video clips. But like there was that one moment where Vinicius just cuts past Trent in the second half, and Trent just like did not care. Like he just walked and looked at him. Like it was kind of like very similar to like remember Atletico in the Champions League final in extra time when Marcelo scores and they're mm-hmm. all just like yeah we're done. <laughs> yeah, they over. got to that yeah. stage in the second half which begs the question should they have approached it differently and gone at Real Madrid yeah. a little more? I mean maybe they did. They had Gakpo playing in midfield. Maybe that was their way of throwing the dice. I don't know if that was the best solution but on on I some mean, level, I would like, say there's with the body language, I feel like there's two. There was two body languages. There was the body language and sort of attitude of the players, and there was the body language and attitude of Klopp. Klopp, every time you saw an image of Klopp on the sideline, he was going crazy. He was arguing with the fourth official all game. He was shouting. He was looked furious. He was kicking water bottles, balls. Klopp was Klopp. Klopp had more sprints in this game than any Liverpool player. Klopp was up for this, and even tactically too. I think in fact he played Gakpo. The position was weird. It was it was basically a way to try to you know fit you know um, square peg in a round hole. He wanted to play with more attackers. He wanted to play with Gakpo and Nunez and Salah and Jota. And this was his way of sort of squeezing them all in. But at least he tried to do things to make them go for it. The players just mm, attitude wise, body language wise, um, didn't really mm, have that urgency. Didn't really have that belief that I think Klopp did. Um, you know, you talk about the the Atletico Champions League final one. It's just, it's a similar thing, but it's a bit different because, well, in this one they have a month since the first leg. It's a whole new game. You don't have tiredness. Um, <laughs> they they should have been able to regroup, plan this game accordingly, and come out with a with a plan of of how to try to get the three goals back. And it seemed to me like Klopp cared and and tried and. Mm, had the passion and belief and the players just just didn't yeah i mean i just i don't like i think maybe he that was his way of trying to rile up his team and stuff i I suppose it also didn't help after the first like probably based on emotion he said the tie is Mm. over (laughs) that's true um so you know it's interesting because like i think in some ways obviously their intentions were right but like they pressed right off the bat they Forced Courtois basically into a long ball every time. Courtois, 57% passing accuracy, 
And I'm obviously like he's a goalkeeper. I'm not expecting a high passing accuracy, and that's not his fault. Yeah. I'm, the point is basically that he couldn't play short passes tonight. He had to go long every time, and that was uh, just kind of a, a byproduct of Liverpool trying to press high. But they didn't generate many mm-hmm. chances in this game. The XG tonight, Real Madrid two point two one, Liverpool point five eight. And uh, again, apart from maybe if they had taken advantage of some of Carvajal's giveaways in the first half, they could have maybe pounced on something. But again, the Real Madrid fully deserved this. Um, I, I guess, like, I think there are even a lot of players who, in my opinion, played really well tonight. Um, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Benzema got the man of the match. A little bit surprised, I suppose that has to do with his goal. I thought there were yeah. several Ramja players who could have taken it. Um, I think Kroos was fantastic. Kroos, just the way he glided out of pressure, the way he brought the ball up the field, Modric was magical. Maybe not as involved as Kroos in in some ways, but did his part. Fede Valverde, his he had like eight lungs tonight. The way he trapped on Nunez, the way he fought off Milner. Um, Nacho really had a great second half. Rudiger, we mentioned. Kamavinga, I thought, was really good. Maybe some positional things and some moments on the ball that looked pretty shaky in the first half. But other than that, it was awesome. Where you, can basically you, name, you can basically name the 10 good players and that maybe we should start with the one bad player then because we kind of hinted on it. But Carver Howe was was pretty shocking, pretty terrible. The other 10 were different levels of... Um, um, you, you were about two players away from having named everyone other than Carvajal. So yeah. maybe we just go there to... Because especially because, if we're going chronologically, that was the first 10 minutes as well. And I wrote about this in the piece as well. And kind of what I felt in towards the end of the first half especially was they weren't they stopped passing to Carvajal. They, they, like Modric would take the ball run past Carvajal and just ignore him as if he wasn't there. And I looked at his touches in the first 10 minutes when he was especially shaky. He had, you know, 1.3 touches um, per minute. That went down to 0.7 for the rest of Carvajal's game. Basically, he had half the amount of touches after his shaky first 10 minutes compared to the first 10 minutes. Mm, Seriously, just looking at it, it looked like they were stopping passing to Carvajal. And that's... That's a huge problem. Like, obviously not in this game, but long term, mm, that's worrying because it wasn't just he had an off day. This is, you know, we've seen this for a while. And, you know, part of the point I was writing about Carvajal was I was really, I was at the Espanol game on Saturday. And I was surprised when he didn't come off because we know Carvajal can't play 90 minutes two times in four days. He can't do that. So when he played the full 90 minutes against Espanol, part of me thought, ah, maybe this means Lucas is playing Liverpool and Carvajal is playing the Classical. Okay, I could see that. Carvajal starts today, he plays almost the whole game, 86 minutes, and he just can't do that anymore. He's only 31. Like It's not like Marcelo last year. He's only 31, but he just can't do that anymore. And the first 10 minutes was in a game like this when you need to keep your cool, when you need to not let a team like Liverpool chase in the game score one in the first 10 minutes. Because if they score one in the first 10 minutes, they can score three. If you keep them out the first 10 minutes, they start to lose belief, as they did. And Carvajal was just really worrying not just the the technically uh, misplaced passes it was the decision making it was everything yeah i mean with him like 
it's not necessarily he's not an old player. 31 is not old. Nope. Like if 31 is old, we're all we're, we're all old even, but he's <laughs> not that old. Like but it's just a physical deterioration with him. Which okay, there's the physical deterioration aspect. It shouldn't hamper your decision making on the ball that much where you can't place a pass properly uh or even have such a heavy touch because you know and and so maybe it's just also half mental half physical it's a bit of both but he's clearly not the same player he used to be the problem is it's like it's not like you have a plethora of options at right back right it's not like you you can talk about mistakes in in the transfer window and not having purchased a reinforcement there but right now that you know, that's a different problem. Right now, you just don't have another option apart from Lucas Vasquez or Odriozola, who just will never play, uh, or Vinicius Tobias, who will never play. So that it is kind of what it is. Carvajal is going to be the starting right back for all these Champions League games, and you just have to hope that you get the best version of him um, as much as you can. So th- that I guess that I is the- you can if you just don't play him against Espanol at home on the Saturday, like that's rest him in that game. Yeah, you got to rest him. I just, you know, it kind of comes from that. It's not his fault. We know, Ancelotti should know that he can't play 90 minutes two times in four days. That's why I was already worried, or honestly not expecting him to start coming into this one because he played 90 against Espanyol. And if the, depending on the classical, but if the title race is over, you rest him on the weekends and you play him midweeks. But I don't know if Ancelotti shares that view. So, Yeah, I feel bad about this too, because like, honestly, it feels like I've been and we've been piling on Carvajal for months now. It's like, you know, we have we have social media guys who cut out clips for the podcast. And every time I swear, it's like they cut out the Carvajal sucks clip. And like, it just I feel bad. It's like every time because like, he's obviously we can we can lay on Audrey Azola a bit more if you want. So just (laughs) mix it up. The secret to not getting criticized is to not play and you you will never hear our wrath. But yeah, I mean, it's like he had Basically everything, every almost every mistake, and there's many early on were from him. I mean, the fir- very first minute of the game, within 30 seconds, he gives it away under mm-hmm. pressure. I think it might have been Real Madrid's first touch on the ball was him giving it away. Um, the chance of the seventh minute that Nunez had had in the box that was the Carvajal giveaway. Fifty fifty fifth minute, a brutal pass. Twenty uh, first minute, not a pass, but his heavy touch loses it right outside of our box. He had Nunez cutting inside way too easily to shoot past him in the first half, 33rd minute. It goes on. And uh, I think it's just a huge, huge concern. Like, the teams are actually going to get tougher now, not easier. I mean, maybe you luck out and not draw Napoli or City in the next round. But either way, like, you're not... like You you may not get away with... Um, uh, you may not get away with this in another game, basically. So that was the player you said that was not good out of the way. Poor guy. I mean, Um, that's why, that's why he's going to get criticized when you have a game where 10 players played well and one didn't, um, you know? Yeah. Honestly, the other, the other 10, like I said, were different levels of good, you know? I wanted to go back to an earlier discussion we had uh, where Carlos said, I didn't make subs because, you know, when you don't need to change, you don't need to change things for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. My counter to that is, it's not only about what's happening on the field today. It's also about future mm-hmm. games. You have a classical coming up. If you really believe Modric and Cruz need to play that. Um, in a tie that's, that's already, already won, why are you 
Um, why are you not making subs until the 80th minute? And it's also just a combination of like, we're not subbing Mordech and Cruz off for Julian Faubert and Fernando Gago and uh, Thomas Gravison. We have Danny Ceballos. We have too many. Like these hey, guys. What's with the are... Gravison? What's with the Gravison hate? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. <laughs> you have you like him, don't you? Why was it? Because he played for Celtic. No, just he played everywhere. You know, he was amazing. What a okay. human. <laughs> amazing. That's the stretch. Um, well, anyways, my point is, mm. I, it's also to me a little. Yeah. It's a message to the players on the bench that he doesn't like. I don't trust you guys. Like, we're up three goals in the Champions League with 10 minutes, 15 minutes to go. I don't trust you guys. Mm-hmm. I can't take Modric and Cruz off. This is too important. You guys stay on the bench. Ceballos, I don't trust you. I don't, I don't trust you too many. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like the message. Or, or you could say it's a message to the guys on the pitch. Like, what a game. Perfect. Keep it up. Like, for future games as well for them. Like, never, not about for resting them, rotating them. But maybe a message to be like the eleven I picked today. You guys have nailed it, and there's no reason to, you know, take off someone for Sabayos, and it starts to create doubts. The for better or worse, Ancelotti is very much a particular partido guy. He's always thinking about the game in the moment and not thinking about the game in four days' time, in seven days' time. He's very much the short term. Let's win this game, even more so when it's the Champions League, which is his competition, Real Madrid's competition. So even a classical in a few days' time. Um, Ancelotti is never going to be the kind of guy even winning against Liverpool to um, make decisions based on the classical on Sunday other coaches would Ancelotti is not that kind of coach and he's always been that way and for better or worse um, it means that his team is always super extra focused on the task at hand until they get that done and um, you know going forward I don't think that's a big concern obviously it is a bit for the classical this Sunday but in future rounds there won't be any big La Liga game coming up after a Champions League um, match. So if he wants to do this in the future rounds and and make late subs, uh, that's fine. I I guess I just think that Liverpool are one of the weaker midfields Mm -hmm. we'll face from now until the rest of the Champions League campaign, if you put it that way. I think yeah. it'll be it's a weaker midfield than what we'll face on Sunday at the Camp Nou. So for sure, there's that, and I, I guess I just wonder how Ancelotti will juggle this. Um, and again, we have great players on the bench, so there's that. Um, yeah, we. T- I think we talked about that. I, I think it's clear, like our position or my position anyway. Like I would have liked to have seen quicker subs, and I would have liked to have seen more of Ceballos, more of Rodrigo. Um, but in the end, it doesn't doesn't necessarily matter so much about today because we advanced and we were convincing the better team. And this is why Ancelotti gets paid the big bucks and is infinitely smarter than me because I, I said I wouldn't have started Mordech and Cruz in this game. And I'm so happy to be wrong because these are the these are the games where you remember like Ancelotti is really successful in this competition. Um and in these moments, and then this game he got it right. And it remains to be seen what is the long-term implications of these little decisions that seem subtle, but are we pushing Ceballos away from resigning? Are we um, running Modric and Cruz into the ground? What do they look like at the tail end of the season? Those are all questions that are, have yet to be answered. So we'll see. So far, so good in this competition. Um, 
I did want to talk about some of the better performers today. Like we did spend, we did have our Carvajal segment, but um, I thought Kamavinga's ability to drop his shoulder out of pressure, play those incredible passes and, and carry the ball up the field. Again, he wasn't perfect, um, much like he wasn't perfect in the first 20 minutes at Anfield. I, I thought kind of similar, although I thought he was much better overall today, including the first frame. Uh, it was interesting that Benzema, after the game, spoke about Kamavinga. And the, the, the pass that Kamavinga placed vertically down the middle for the goal, Benzema said that he had told Kamavinga, like, look, I've noticed that Liverpool center backs, they play apart from each other. And so there is space for that pass. And I thought that was, it's just really cool to just hear those little mini tactical analysis on the field after the game, uh, that they recognize that. It was a great pass. I thought it was a great performance for Kamavinga. Any thoughts? No, his role in the goal is like shouldn't be underestimated. Like, um, obviously, it's you know kind of strange goal with Vinicius kind of slipping and and then you know prodding it along the ground and Benzema getting injured and so many things about the goal that Kamavinga's role becomes like the fourth or fifth most obvious thing. But yeah, that shouldn't be shouldn't be forgotten. And I guess we'll look at the look at it in the clip in a bit. Yeah, I mean the fact he pl- I think he him playing alongside Modric and Cruz um, it helps and. The, you know, we've spoken a little bit about Chouameni's, um struggles. It really helped him, I think, the first half of the season. That it was Modric and Cruz starting most games. And when you're playing alongside those two, um, never mind the fact energy, they're older, can they sustain it? But just the confidence you can have to be uh, playing alongside those two, it helps a lot. So him playing there, knowing that Cruz can drop a little deeper, cover him behind, allow him to go forward. Um, he plays with, you know, he always looks forward and whether he's at left back, whether he's elsewhere in the pitch. And he, even when he's the anchor in theory, he's still an anchor that's running forward all the time. And, you know, uh, the fact that he's the one that almost opens the scoring with that shot that hits crossbar, actually a fantastic save from Allison. Um, you know, that doesn't happen with many playing in between Modric and Cruz. That happens with Kamavinga being able to, you know, get there, move up. If you look at the, the sequence, Real Madrid, everybody, Real Madrid, everybody, Liverpool, they're all side, inside the box, more or less. And Camavinga mm, sort of sees the space, moves up, takes a shot. I feel like other anchors would be a lot more conservative, waiting for the potential uh, counter. He plays with that kind of um, optimism, uh, you know, maybe rawness, but it works when you play alongside two veterans who know how to how to cover for you. Yeah, I mean that's that's a great point. When when Kamavinga does venture forward or goes into different zones, you you saw it very clearly. Um, that when we talk about Kamavinga as a six, it's really just like an interchangeable six, and Cruz and him rotate all the time. Sometimes Modric goes in; they cover for each other. They they have an understanding in that sense. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> 